Predator and Pretend Play. This was lots of fun, Dr. Billy. What a purple girl learned this week, mate. Yeah, it was lots of fun. I've been waiting for this one for a while. Movie I love. Topic I'm really passionate about. So it's a light, but it's a really important one. And we're going to talk about why, you know, play is really important, especially pretend play for our kids. And it's not just because it's fun. It's a really important skill that, um, just like the Alaskan brown bear, it will help you um, support your kid in being successful in their adult life. Yes, learn to be more like the Alaskan brown bear is the takeaway from this one. Also feel less bad about having watched this uh, rated R film in the, uh, in, the, in the late 80s when I was you know, eight or nine years old. It actually promoted play and I used to mm. pretend play to Predator. Yeah, the backyard with the neighbours. I loved it. So yeah, it's a great thing for you as a child, and um, yeah, hopefully it's really helpful. And really looking forward to heaps of questions coming in around how do we um, really set this up, and for kids that are struggling a bit too. Yeah, enjoy, guys. It's a ripping episode, but again, make sure you send us through your questions so we can answer them in part two. We love answering questions, and part two is really critical. So make sure you send them through to Pop Culture Parenting at Gmail or via Instagram Pop Culture Parenting. Enjoy. Hi. I'm Billy, a developmental paediatrician. And I'm Nick, a developing parent. We're going to use scenes from iconic movies to talk about how we best support our kids. This is Pop Culture Parenting. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Daddy, and what does it do? Just use your best judgment. We trust you. Good morning, Dr. Billy. How are you? I'm good, Nick. I'm very excited for this episode. So, oh, really? Yep. Yep. Well, it's our last light. Our last and light episode. Mm. Light and fun than, uh, than play. Pretend yes. play. It is. No, pretend play and predator. <laughs> I know. What a movie. It still holds up. It sure does. It sure does. It's our third Arnie flick. Uh, and I was saying to you, it's pretty hard to avoid when you're doing an 80s and 90s blockbuster movie podcast with some parenting tips. I know. I know. So I'm excited for this movie. Hopefully hook a lot of dads. I think it's a really strong, I know I say this almost every time now, but a very strong pairing. But um, before we get into that, how are you going? Yeah, good, good, good. Uh, good week. No major dramas. Had some Griswolds. Had some Winslows. How about you? Yes, I uh, yeah one one Winslow in the last fortnight, but um, <laughs> which was good, and then yeah a few Griswolds. I'm still actively in my mind choosing which Griswold to get. Oh really? But, um, but I'm sure I'll come up with one more. Yeah, I actually well, I was flush with Winslows. I had two, but depends how you call them Winslows. I always think sometimes one can be the other, and vice versa, just depending on the framing. Yes, yeah, true. A lot of mine blend into the other ones. So well, let um, me let me give it to you. Let's let's just hit randomly where we're going to go first. Okay. Hey, don't let your mother smell that beer on your breath. She'll take it out on me. Please kick things off with your grizzy. So, yeah, mine's pretty funny. Um, you know that kind of thing when you and I have spoken about it where you feel a little bit of shame about the state of your house? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, I remember one time, <laughs> I remember for maybe the first six months and then finally you came over and saw the house messy and you were like, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I was annoying me how tidy your house was. I was like, this is bullshit. And I was like, no way. And then I came around and I was like, oh, <laughs> this is about what I expected. Yeah, so we, so yeah, we've fallen into that trap now, just like the couch is the wardrobe and and that kind of stuff but we're shifting between two places and the place that um where we are three hours away is like you know it's amazing that we were able to find a place because it's very tough in this small town but it's a pretty little place and the hospital where Annalise works like does a lot of the garden maintenance so they come all the time that's important for what happens in this story but there's nowhere the place is really little and there's nowhere to put all this stuff like all the you know the bike and the pram and all this gear so it all just sits out the front of like this little townhouse and i kind of my, my mom was very strict about that stuff so it's always graded me a bit like just stuff lying around i let it get to me too much but anyway so i'm sitting there working and i'd just gone between clinic and it had been a warm day which is rare lately and i do clinic um this is probably a bit of an overshare but i when it's warm i do clinic in board shorts and a shirt yes <laughs> so i'm sitting there 
on the telehealth clinic, like talking to people. Um, anyway, but it got a bit warm, so I'm like, I took the shirt off just for the break, and was you know sitting there, and the gardening guy hasn't come for six weeks, and so a different guy rocks up, and I he I can see him, but he can't see me coming down the driveway, and he sees all the stuff lying out the front of the place, and he's like, God. Look at the state of this place. <laughs> it's like a big, burly Aussie bloke. And then he knocks on the door and doesn't like acknowledge. He must have realised when he knocked that I would have heard him, but doesn't acknowledge it. And he's just like, hey, mate, yeah, I'm just here to do the gardening. <laughs> and um, now they haven't come for six weeks and it's a different guy. It's been heaps of rain and sun. And this backyard has about, you know, one, one and a half by one and a half metres of grass. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm feeling really guilty and shamed by like, you know, the comment about how messy the place is. But I've I've gone, yeah, mate, I've opened up the side. He comes around the side and he's like, just, you know, that typical Aussie bloke that just like talks to himself out loud. He comes around the side and then I just hear this big, bloody hell, <laughs> as he's, he's four foot of grass <laughs> because they haven't come for six weeks. And for the next, like, 20 minutes of mowing, I just hear the mower cuts every time. How do you let it get this bad? (laughs) (laughs) Knows I can hear him. It's a rental, aren't you? meant to come and do this? Like, (laughs) this is how it gets this bad. I felt like going out there and going, mate, it's because you guys haven't come. It's like, yeah, yeah, to make you feel a little bit better, not not really my grizzle, but you will notice I'm wearing a beautiful cashmere jumper, a crisp white shirt and business pants. This isn't because I wanted to look sharp for the potty <laughs> or pretend to be a doctor. I don't have any clean clothes. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm wearing this today. So I know your plight. Like it's hard oh, to yeah. – I put everything on yesterday. I rage cleaned so hard yesterday at home that I put all my jeans in. I put all my good sh- casual shirts in. And I got to this morning after my rage cleaning and was like, I've got to wear like my best gear to the podcast today. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's. I was almost going to ask you this um, recently about – when do they? When does it flip? Because now it's like she can mess quicker than I can clean. So, mate, my kids found styrofoam yesterday. Made snow to put on Christmas Santa stuff. There is styrofoam <laughs> covering. Like they crumple it, so like they get like the phone box and they just go. Yeah, okay. and it just spreads. They pour it on a little bit of glue, the size of a fifty cent piece, but empty out a kilo of styrofoam. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it's pretty light. Yeah. <laughs> and then it just, <laughs> yeah, just wow. blow it That'd all around. Your garden as well. Oh, it's and sensational. It no, I'm thrilled. So yeah, what about you? What's your Griswold? <laughs> I was, I am, uh, yeah, I was sort of moving between a couple. We came off last week. Uh, we talked a lot about language um, in, the, in recent podcasts, and I was uh, talking about, um, you know, like. Uh, the, the flat, the long and short of it was my Griswold was that uh, we'd had one of those things where we'd uh, dad swears and uh, it gets repeated back and I'd been really conscious of it. Someone else came around the other day and swore and my child from the next room just the the entire sentence played back with all the expletives and I just looked at the person and they're like, ah, right. So we're still trying to curb it within yeah. the home and it wasn't great. And it is amazing how much those sponges just pick up and just retort oh, yeah. it at you. Yeah. So, especially it's so emotive that language as well. Oh. So that's um. Yeah, we'll talk about today how to use emotion and stuff like that and excitement in a good way. But yeah, it also can unfortunately mean they just soak that stuff up. Correct. But let's roll into the Winslows because uh, I got a couple. I don't object to fun. I love fun. In fact, I'm the grand funk master of fun. <laughs> I don't have a couple. I have one. <clears throat> um, <laughs> now, we talked about death recently. Mm. Um, grief. Sorry, we talked my about girl. grief. Grieving. My girl. Um, but I think we would covered it off again later on. I think we talked about it again potentially somewhere else. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's really fresh in my mind. No, I kept bringing it up because my daughter had been asking. Um, anyway, so I'm sitting there yesterday and I've actually, I've, I've, for many years, I've been recording conversations with the kids. Many years. Like I've, I've, yeah. got, I've got 20 I've had kids before you, so do it. I do it when I'm, I think something's funny and we start recording. Anyway, incidentally last night recording Ron um, playing in the backyard and it was fun. But then Freddie comes out and she says to me, she goes, just out of nowhere, she goes, do you know, um, did you know Daisy's uh, mum died? Uh, mom, sorry, Daisy's grandmother died? Mm. And I went, oh, my God, that's so sad. That's really sad, um, grandmother. I said, oh, that's really sad. She goes, yeah, but it's okay because they live on in your heart. 
Wow. And I was like, I can now, every time someone passes, she's got this like framework. It won't be the same when it's someone obviously really close to her. It'll hurt a lot more. But I was just like, wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I said, God, where did you learn that? And, she, and Daisy had said it to her because Daisy had been through it. And it's clearly had massive thumbs up to Daisy's mum or dad for like going, yes, but they'll live on in your heart. And I was mm. like, nice little tactic for the next parent that has to do with that. Mm. It could be really useful. And I've recorded it. Yeah, so, I, yeah it's uh, yeah, amongst eight minutes of just – Veronica laughing and just fooling around. Fred came in and dropped this and left, and I was like, "Wow!" So it was just amazing, and um, I just thought it was a Winslow. You yeah. know, like it's not. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but it was nice to capture it as well. Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh, Fred." Yeah, you're so good with that. I do that a little bit too, where it's just like we've got these phones, and you kind of feel like, "Oh man, why am I taking so many photos? I should just be enjoying mm. it." But I still find myself going back to lots of that and looking at it and just being like, "This is amazing." Yeah, it all started like it wasn't like I deliberately set out to record anything, but. <clears throat> We were driving home from my brother's house one night and um, Freddie must have been you know, 18 months and she was singing the – she'd obviously been watching a lot of ABC Kids. She'd been doing the, we are one. <laughs> but we yeah. and, and then so I was like, I was like, hit record. So mum hit record and started there and then I just started capturing them when they first started sort of singing tunes or something like Bar Bar Black Sheep. I just thought it was hilarious and, uh, and very sweet. Anyway, that was my Winslow. How about you? Yeah, uh, so yeah, mine – yeah, so I've been um, I've been doing a fair bit of solo parenting this last fortnight, just a busy period for Annalise. And um, because of like staff being sick and stuff like that, I've had a, th- a few times, uh, a couple of times, ended up with Evie for the day and mm. I meant to be working. And I've finally just come to terms with that, I reckon, in this last week of like, there's nothing I can do about it. I used to get really stressed and I'd actually try and juggle her. Like I'd have meetings or I'd try and like stretch her so she'd sleep later so I could sort some stuff out. And I just, I don't know why, but I just kind of embraced it this time and was like, no, I'm just going to, yeah, I've just got a day with her now. Like that didn't see it coming you know, work are amazing. They'll help me out and cover my stuff and just enjoyed her. And I had this, so she's pretty behind in her language. Um, she's just not speaking much and it's this kind of constant thing I feel guilty about because I'm like, daycare's amazing but they're all like, yeah, she's so easy and like I often pick her up and she's playing on her own and we'll talk about that developmentally in this episode. But mm-hmm. anyway, I was just, it was a nice day and I was like just enjoying her. Like I was like, I'm just going to enjoy her. It's not about like clean and do mm. all that stuff, just enjoy her. And I was lying out in the back grass with her. And she was like lying kind of with – I was lying on my back looking up and she was lying on her back on my chest looking up. And I was just like talking to her and playing with her and all this stuff. And it was just beautiful. And I got her to say sky and she just kept saying sky and then was kind of like this really cool thing where it was probably the most intentional kind of bit of development that I've seen Mm. happen that I was being purposeful with. And, yeah, it was this really beautiful thing that we just both really enjoyed it and got – you could see both of us were like buzzing in the moment about it and laughing and loving it and – um. Yeah, it's just been really nice. I've had some like solid, really fun time with her uh, in the last fortnight where I've kind of just dropped all this stuff. And I was even saying to Annalise this morning because, you know, Annalise gets a lot less time with her where I'm like, which is what we're going to talk about today. I'm like, there's so much stuff to do around the house, but just actually just play with her. And that's, you know, it's been a bit of a shift. And I don't know about you, but you get all this like guilt from like, oh, don't use those satchel foods and don't, you know, do this and they need to be getting so many vegetables. And I'm always like, actually, what we're going to talk about today is playing with them is is way more important than that stuff. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the topic today. You gave me the title ahead of it and mm. I watched the film. But I this this has really only really dawned on me recently. Um, I think we touched on it in a podcast around play. Um and I've actually adopted that. So I've been saying to you recently, like going to the pool, my kids didn't do swim lessons because of lockdown. And now I can't get into a swim lesson unless it's Tuesday at 11 a.m. And I'm like, oh, work's going to love this. So we don't do it. But what, I've, what, I, what I have ended up doing is though, I go to the pool now and just play for an hour and a half. And I thought I didn't have swim lessons. I ended up being a, I ended up being quite a good swimmer. I did a lot of ocean, open ocean swimming. This isn't about me, Billy. Shut up. <laughs> yes. yeah. Modesty is my problem, he says. Um, but I, but I, I think if you just learn to play in the water to start with, I know swimming's totally. really important, but like I think just like I just want them to enjoy it as opposed to like getting in and doing the swimming stuff. And I'm not sure if it's the right thing. People will probably like, oh, you've got to teach them to swim. I am teaching them to swim, but I'm also just teaching them to enjoy it to start with first. 
Yeah, we go every week, mate. She's not learning the strokes. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she hasn't done butterfly yet. Yeah, she's literally just picking up plastic balls that are floating on the surface. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, doing yeah. Some nursery rhymes, which is awesome. But you're right, and that's what we're going to talk to. But no, mate, you're great at this. We're going to talk about it through the app. But you're actually really good at this innately at this play element. Um, but let's talk about Predator first because. Oh. <laughs> Do you, so let's talk about Predator, but while we're talking about it, what I want you to be thinking is what on earth does this have to do with play and more specifically pretend play? But yeah, how did you go no on the idea. rewatch? Oh my God, it's probably the most, got to be honest, probably the most welcome rewatch. Mm. I think it's when I think about why we started the podcast, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this was somehow on top of our list somewhere. Yeah. This is the blockbuster film of this period. Like mm. it is such a big film and I loved rewatching it. Um, Arnie is incredible at his absolute height. He's come off Terminator. He's come off Conan. He's come off Twins. Like, he's really rising. He's come off Commando, which I don't know. We've got to figure out. Actually, Commando would be easy to do. It's, it's the only film that we will have used him in that he's a parent from, yeah. obviously. Yeah, so yeah. Twins, he's not a parent. Mm. And we've done Twins and Terminator. He's not a parent. He's a robot. And this, you can't tell. Um but I loved it. Just loved the rewatch of the whole thing. So I think this is, yeah, I think this is him. This is the coolest that Arnie's ever been. Like you can't say that he's cool in Terminator 2. Like he's obviously an absolute dork in Twins. Yep. Like Last Action Hero is a parody. What about Junior? <laughs> yeah, Junior. <laughs> junior. Danny DeVito. But they're beautiful. Yeah, so there's. I, I love this movie for lots of reasons. It's such a perfect kind of action that becomes a slasher. It, it also really turned the audience on its head because it was like these real macho men, and mm. we'll talk about this, um, that are going to save the day. But then all of a sudden how strong, tough they are doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yep, agreed. And so I think audiences, you know, back in 87 or whenever it came out must have been really shocked to be like, why is this? Why are these guys losing? We've just seen them like decimate this village, <laughs> completely unnecessarily over the top. Like Arnie lifts up the truck and rolls it in with explosives on. They kill. I don't know if you remember. They kill the guys in the helicopter and then blow the helicopter up. <laughs> and it's like, it's this classic. You know, I don't have time to bleed kind of stuff. So good. So it's that ultimate macho kind of um, team up. Yep. And it was really cool because, yeah, Arnie was kind of like Arnie wanted – it was initially going to be just Arnie and then he's like, no, no, I want to do like a Magnificent Seven like a or I lead a team. And it's just – there's so much amazing trivia out of this movie. People might know that Van Damme was initially meant to be in the suit but and, you know, that famous – one of the reasons he wasn't was because his face wasn't going to be in the movie but also he just couldn't do any moves in how heavy and big the suit was, so he couldn't do the famous 360 roundhouse kick. <laughs> but um, even the guy, the seven-foot-tall guy that they got to play it, they had to have like a harness taking some of the weight so he could move. Um, you know, it's a phenomenal creature that got built that has obviously gone on and had huge adaptations. Yeah, the, the other thing to add is with something like this, if you go back over the last 20 years and you think about movies that really redefine or show your piece of technology you've never seen, the view of the world from the Predator mm. is like, you're like, what are we what are we watching? Why are these people glowing in pinks and greens and yellows? It's like incredible. And I liken it to things like The Matrix where all of a sudden people are just spinning in the air or Terminator 2 where you've got the liquid metal or, you know, um, Tenet where if things are in reverse. You just have these like... It's like uh, it's avant-garde. Like it redefines what is sort of possible, and like it stands alone. And I'm like, God, just thinking about that, and just yeah, the Predator vision is amazing. Yeah, and even the, of the shots of the Predator, how they shot it with um, you know two different lenses and stuff like that is amazing. But even some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, like there was a real kind of macho. They were all having competitions. Who's got oh, the biggest biceps? And for sure, I don't know if you heard. They were all like getting up earlier and earlier to work out. And Ventura one morning like poured water all over himself at the start of the session to make it look like sweat, so that Arnie thought he'd already been there for like an hour, and so Arnie was getting up earlier. I think. Carl Weathers was like he would train in the evenings and pretend that he wasn't working out <laughs> so that he's like, this is just how I am. And, um, yeah, and even the guy, I've forgotten his name, who plays Billy, but he, um, he'd done some time in prison and he'd had an army background and stuff, but they had to have a bodyguard on set was one of the stipulations to protect everyone else from him. Like he was so hostile and aggressive and stuff that was wow. one of the rules was that that actor had to have 
someone and you even see that in his character like in the movie the the predator is amazing because the reason that we're using it to not put you on the spot is that the predator is all about play and pretend play like mm-hmm. the predator if you change and think about it as this is little boys pretending that they're in the jungle fighting an invisible foe that's what the movie is mm-hmm. and we see really valuable lessons of pretend play for kids that happen in the movie mm-hmm. the movie was initially going to be called hunter and it got changed to predator mm. and arnie survives because he's the only one that realizes he's become prey and he adapts and that's one of the really important parts that kids will learn in play specifically pretend play is how to learn changing rules and how to modify based on your environment and yeah, all okay. those things so play Play is amazing, like culturally, and it's one of the things that's been studied for kind of you know 150 years from a lot of amazing um, researchers and anthropologists and clinicians and psychologists. But one of the famous guys is a guy called Karl Gruz, mm. a German um, researcher and psychologist. And it's really funny; it's actually quite hard to find information about him. But he was one of the founding guys that said, "Play is actually practice for real life." Mm-hmm. And obviously in humans, that's obvious, and we'll talk about some of the details of it, but even in the animal kingdom, like that's a why, you know, why would animals, including humans, play? Like if you think about it, it's a big waste of energy, it's a risk of hurting yourself, if, especially if you're, you know, an animal that gets preyed upon, you're making noise, you're signalling yourself out. But the reason that we do that and that, you know, those animals that are so play-focused, especially mammals... We, we as the parents like have to shelter them and protect them so they can play. We have to get food for them so they can have the energy gotcha. to play. So he was the first guy that was like, this is actually, there's a really big purpose to that. And we, for, for you know, two million years we were hunters and gatherers mm-hmm. and then it's only really the last 10,000 years we stopped doing that. But still so much of our play is based around a hunter-gatherer existence and that's what Predator the movie is about. These guys are all hunter-gatherers that are hunting. They're hunting the rebels. Mm. But they can't flex when they become the prey. And it's because they have never practiced that. Arnie, in the reason Arnie survives in Predator is because he runs away. I don't know if you remember, but he flees. Oh, yeah. Whereas Billy, like, stands on the log and cuts his own chest because yeah. he's like, I'll use my strength and how courageous I am. And yeah. he just gets annihilated in a second. Yeah, it's kind of like playing tag or tiggy when I was growing up. Like <laughs> you realise, no, you're the ones that actually have to run as opposed to you can't be the ones that stay and not get tagged because you get tagged by confronting yeah. the person. Yeah. So you're right. It almost there's another part of it that's like a game of hide and seek. And yeah. developmental theory would say hide and seek's actually really important. Because Yeah, but I don't know if you remember, like when you're when you're a kid, the kind of excitement of hiding. Oh, being found is yeah yeah but without getting too like philosophical like a lot a lot of us need to hide sometimes and a lot of us need to be found sometimes and there's life is a bit like that it's that excitement of being found and you know we a lot of our relationships are around that it's funny you say oh i'm not sure if you remember mate i played hide and seek before i left the house to come here this morning (laughs) girls like (laughs) we're gonna give you a hug before you go to do your podcast i was like you have to find me first. <laughs> like, yeah. I, was, I was in the t- I was in the predator mood. Yeah, so I actually yeah, hid. Yeah, they no. found me pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> House is small. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> it I is. So it. there's this. So you what you realize? I don't know. So you're doing that for fun. You're doing mm. that to connect with your kids. But yep. what you're actually doing is teaching them amazing skills in that moment. Um, it's really, really, really important, especially kind of for the first kind of six to eight years of life that Mm. kids have a lot of play yep and that is pretend play um there's even some amazing research on um that proves how much of its practice not just in humans that these guys this amazing research team went and looked at like um brown bears in alaska like really risky you know hostile environment Mm. you know you don't want to especially because they were watching cubs and obviously that's a really dangerous environment to be in we've all seen the revenant (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and um what they found was the biggest predictor of whether a cub survived to adult independent life was how much it played 
Wow. Yep. So learning to deal with a little bit of setback and adversity and a bit of rough and tumble. Yeah, so the rough and tumble is an important part of it. You know, like the playground is important because it shows, you know, you take the risk and you fall and you're okay, but you learn to hold on tighter or to judge okay. it better next time. Billy, how does a 41-year-old male who's still rolling around with men doing jiu-jitsu, where does that fit into this? <laughs> so it depends. It actually depends. So to be play... You need to be doing it for the sake of the enjoyment you get out of it and not gotcha. for winning it. Gotcha. So that's the difference. And that's where we can get stuck sometimes with kids because ah. we're like, oh, yeah, the, the play that you do is basketball. Now, if gotcha. the kid's doing it because he loves basketball, it's play. It's play. If he's doing it because he's like, I want to win the championship, mm. it's moving away from play. And that's why we see that it actually loses a bit of its value. That's why kids fall off because they're like, yeah, right. Mm. Okay. And it's it's really cool, yeah. There's, Yeah, and play is, you know, the, this idea that Carl Gross came up with of, you know, play is practice. We see that in what our kids do. There's even, you know, chimpanzees will, often female chimpanzees will carry around a stick and treat it as a baby. So they'll carry it protectively. They'll kind of bring it into their nest and, like, look after it and care for it. Once they've had a child, they'll never do it again. Because what they've been doing is practicing and getting ready, and what they oh. the reason they've been doing it is because they're seeing it role modelled. And I'm sure both the girls do this, where they'll catch something you're doing, and then they'll start repeating mm. it and playing it. And that pretend element of it is really important. So Evie like will pick up something randomly, and we can't even tell why, but she'll start like moisturising her face, pretending it's like a moisturiser because she's obviously seen Annalise do that, and she's mirrored it and gone that's a thing and she's pretending that that's it and is repeating that behavior wow wait. so yeah and what that's doing is like we said last time her brain is growing it's growing its branches and you know deciding which ones matter and that's what play is about like we mm. education is passing on cultural traditions it's not sitting and learning maths and reading and stuff it's the reason that we have all of these routines and kind of um, cultural, you know, tasks that we repeat is because it helps us survive. It helps it, us pass on, mm. like how you cook, how you look after a baby is you carry the stick around for mm. the first few years and you learn to care for it so that when the baby comes, you're ready. Yeah, okay. And, mm, yeah, I don't know anything about the school education system yet, but it feels like after a while it becomes a bit of a system and, and play is not so much a part of it because you need benchmarking and grading and progress and monitoring and things like that. So you, my, I guess my point is you're saying around six to eight, it doesn't matter so much after that or is it? No, yes. So? No, it's a really good question. So I think it does. It does still matter. I think play still really matters for you and I. Like, mm. And it's got to be play for play's sake. Yep. And I think probably BJJ is a little bit like that for you. You yep. do get joy out of doing it. It's not yeah. just to move up to the next belt. No, 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 no. Can't like, be. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, it's hard. There'll be a lot of parents that are like, yeah, man, I wish I had time to play. And I'm a bit like that at the moment. But it is really important. So, yeah, it's interestingly from a developmental perspective because people will be watching their kids journey through more advanced levels of play. So, Bubs, when they're born, you know, can't really control what their attention is on and purposeful movements that much. First few weeks, we've talked about it. You know, they can start moving their eyes a bit more purposefully and fixing on stuff and following mm -hmm. it. They initially, like a lot of their early forms of communication is playful. It's cooing and garring and hide and seek and peekaboo, like all of that stuff. But they'll often start in the first few months playing just with their fingers and hands and looking at themselves and like those type of things. Then after that period, they start playing with external parts of their environment, including us. But they will mouth things, they'll shake things, they'll move things. What happens is they keep advancing in that and then they hit a pocket after two years of age where they'll start playing with others. And that starts, you know, that classic parallel play is an early form of what becomes you, cooperative play. You pointed that out to me and I couldn't unsee it in small children. Mm. So like my four-year-old plays with other kids they play and then i hadn't noticed that my two-year-old because i go to daycare and see it she she's a bit more now but she wasn't playing they do play in parallel so they they're at the table doing an activity and they're enjoying themselves but there's not like a chat between the two like my other daughter just chats to whoever's next to her while she's drawing but the other ones they just sort of like play 
by themselves in this box. You know, they stick the things on there with a bit of glue and they get their help to do it, but they don't play together, do they? No. So, they yeah, they'll often there's a stage before pretend play where they're kind of uh, – sorry, parallel play where they kind of just do things in complete isolation. Yeah. You know, so Evie at the moment will take herself off and she'll kind of happily just play on her own and do stuff. And I have to come in kind of purposefully. You know, sometimes she'll seek me, but sometimes she'll just be happy on her own playing. She'll actually seek that out. And we'll talk about like unstructured play is probably the most important form of play. Like often we set up a lot of structure to play. Mm. We say, cool, this is what we're going to do. I've decided we're going to do paint or we're going to, you know, play in the sand or whatever. But if we can actually let kids lead us, it's a really good opportunity to not only give them independence. So you put them in spaces and see where they go. Put them in environments, especially changing it up. Because in a new environment, they're more likely to explore. And that exploration with safety is a really important part of it. And you'll notice what the kid does, especially in really new environments, is they're checking with you constantly. And it gives us an opportunity to reinforce it and be like, you're cool, you're cool, you're cool. And then they do stuff and we actually let them lead us. You're doing that. Now, they obviously like play with something dangerous. You've got to put boundaries up. But seeing where they go... It's really important for their self-esteem that they get that, but also just in in them having some kind of independence in what they do with their time and the stuff they seek out. Okay. So, yeah, really important. And then, yeah, so they'll then go to parallel and then they'll start interacting with each other a bit, but fairly primitively, and it's often just in object exchange. Then they come to cooperation, which is what Predator is about. Predator is we are the best of the best. We're going in with a shared goal. We're going to rescue these hostages and take out the rebels. And that, that is that all of these guys were good at that bit of it because of how much they practiced and did pretend play of this. You know, they went and did so much training and it was all that stuff. But And they've invested in that. Like they've invested and said, I'm going to be really big and tough and muscly and I'm going to be good at tracking and I'm going to be good at like weapons explosives and explosives and, and, and hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, but you kind of see... You know, and that's that's why they. If the predator didn't exist, they would have all survived and had victory, and you know, been smoking cigars and hitting the beers at the end of it. But they didn't because the world that they were, the expectation and the goal changed, and the only one that could shift was Arnie. Like mm-hmm. The others couldn't shift, and it's the same with our kids. Like we, what we need to understand is that that play and that pretend play forms their self esteem. There's a lot of evidence that a lot of emotional regulation begins with play. So your ability to regulate your emotions begins with how much opportunity you have to play. How so? How does it? How does that relate? So the baby that's like exploring its hands and then picking yep. up the objects and all those things is learning how to interact with its environment, what the response happens, how they gauge it. The kid that falls off the play equipment and looks around is, you know, taking a risk, mm-hmm. is seeing what happened and then has an opportunity to have support in regulating their emotions. Cool. The kid that falls over on the playground, often the first thing they do is look around and that dictates. And I've seen you heaps of times do this really well where, you know, Ron will take a tumble and we all freeze and we're all like, just play it cool. Oh, yeah. You know, whereas, and what she's learning is like, is this actually it's okay? Now, if deal. it's a really bad, painful experience, <laughs> that doesn't matter. But she's learning really early on emotional regulation components. And that's kind of it's really important wiring. And I think, I, I think it's more important than reading the kids is playing with them. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, because so it's any- a different thing. Because you, you probably get more enjoyment out of the hide and seek that you did yeah. than when you're like, oh, it's book time. Don't you know that you're bringing me yeah, into this yeah. too much, and no, it's just trying to trigger me. No, but it is. I remember Annalise and I went over to your place once, and you were like purposely playing that kind of shark game where there was on the front lawn, there was bits that were safe and there were bits that weren't. Yep. Now they're never going to, well, hopefully, never be in that experience where no. they've got to jump between desert islands to yep. avoid the shark. But what they're learning is problem solving and cooperation, and the rules change and all that stuff. And that's what the world is. You know, the world is a place that we all play. And adapt. Yeah, and adapt. And it's a really, like, we'll go, we're, I'm purposely not going to do it in this one and we'll see if we get the questions. But a lot of kids who are struggling, especially kids with autism and ADHD, have big difficulties in their play. A lot of kids that are stressed. So rats, if you have a rats that hate play heaps, so rats are like are one rats? of the... So rats, like especially the rats they use in labs, play heaps and heaps and heaps. It's oh. one of the reasons they get used so much in research. Right. Physical rats. If you just put some cat hair in their environment... They will stop playing for days. And it's true of kids too. Kids that are stressed 
will will play less. So the cat head makes the rat stressed. Yeah, so they're like, can't play, got to be on high alert. And a lot of our kids that are experiencing anxiety will play less because their stress is so high. And there's even, we'll talk about if it comes in on questions, play therapy is one of the best evidence kind of tools to support kids who are struggling and expressing themselves because it's hard to sit down and say, this is how I'm feeling. Is that where like you, I see it in movies. So do you have these things in your clinics where like, I'm not saying there's a glass you know, mirrored wall, but like there's like building blocks and a table and there'll be like a little chair for the kid. And there's, <laughs> Like do you walk in with a little chair and sit in it yourself and chat to the kid? Yeah, definitely. A lot of our assessments right. involve that So stuff. I wasn't laughing at the no, no, no. just like no, no, <laughs> picturing no. you in a little wooden chair. <laughs> no, the, um, <laughs> no, no, definitely. And yep. it's, yeah, it's funny. We do use those those kind of one-way mirrors oh, a yeah. bit. To um, observe? It's, yeah, it's just to observe so that we're not distracting the child and getting insight on it. But gotcha. yeah, a lot of our kind of way that we assess kids in their developmental ability is actually through play mm. you know so we yeah people probably find this bit a bit boring but you know you can you can tell how the kids will stack the blocks in terms of where they're up to in their fine motor skills you know really? so how many blocks they can stack whether they can draw a circle where they can replicate a cross okay. you know all of those things but they're yeah and lots of kids with autism or on the autism spectrum will struggle with that cooperative play component gotcha so they will and that's why a lot of you know the average age of diagnosis is around three because that's when social and communication skills really start taking off and a lot of kids with neurodiversity get a bit stuck there yeah and you i think you've covered this before in the adhd episode um we did finding nemo we had dory i think it's um uh, kids with ADHD have amazing, great focus on a certain thing, but when the game changes and we move from playing um, British Bulldogs and instead we're going to go play footy, mm. that ability to pivot. Yeah, so piv- you learn how to pivot in play. Yeah, exactly. You learn how to pivot we're in play. This. So and now we're doing that. I promise I'll eventually stop going back to it, but Arnie learns to pivot. Yeah, None does. of the other guys learn to pivot, yeah. like Jesse Ventura. And, and when you say that, let's be specific about when he learns to pivot. So everyone's getting knocked off. And it's when he kind of jumps off the waterfall, ends up in the mud. He has the penny drop moment where he's like, oh. He can't see me. He can't see me. Um, and that's kind of where he learns he's got to pivot. He learns to pivot when he flees. So just before that, the mud is like an accident. Mud's an accident, so yeah, you're right. the mud's an accident. To get to the but chopper. He, he realises, yeah, get to that. You know, it's his favourite line out of all his catchphrases. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah. Stick around. No, <laughs> if it bleeds, yeah. we can kill it. It's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that was glow stick gel and KY jelly mixed together <laughs> to make <laughs> to make the predator's blood? Oh my god! Yeah, you know the predator's only in it for eight minutes, and that's you know the predator. In when kids are actually playing, they don't actually, you know, they're so good at imagination and pretend play. You know, they don't have the predator, but the person that they're all kind of teaming up against never needs to appear. Never needs to appear. You know, it needs to for us as the audience, partially because we're growing up and we have to see it. Mm. But kids are amazing in their use of imagination. And I think that, yeah, it's just this amazing combination, especially in preschool age kids, where, you know, there's this huge burst of activity, there's a huge burst of brain growth. And the more opportunity we give them, especially in pretend play, from early stuff of like at the moment Evie's really good at like we have a routine where we feed all the dinosaurs, you know, like we have a tea set and we do it with and we, all the dinosaurs have to be fed. And that's great because it's showing her these really early skills and she's learning the difference between this is actually food and this is not food, this is pretend play. You know, Melfi, our dog, actually has to eat. You know, um, Fred, the T-Rex, does not actually have to eat. And that's important for life. Like you need, you and I are really good at understanding when something's serious and when it's not, when someone's, you know, actually being hostile and when they're just joking. And all of those are like facial expressions and things like that that we've learned from pretend play. Like with kids, what researchers have even done this when someone is in a play mode with a child, they are more likely to exaggerate their expressions. They're more likely to use prolonged eye contact. You know, there's even, I mean, dogs do this. Dogs have a play bow that they do. I don't know if you've seen the dog. The classic dog that's showing every other dog that wants to play puts its, extends its front paws front out paws. and stretches. Yep. And what that's signaling to all the other dogs is I'm here for a good time. 
<laughs> but they've learned that. They've learned that evolutionary-wise so that they can say, cool, that the other dog does the play bow back and they go, let's go for it, let's play. One of them doesn't and they go, sweet, not this dog is not here for a good time. You Yes, and you've learned that because you spend two hours in a dog park <laughs> each day. Yes. Yeah, if I'm not running or I'm in the dog park. But it is. It's a really it's a really important part that we need to actually prioritize with our kids. So yeah, so I think I think, you know, when you and I are old and grey and we're hopefully got grandkids and stuff. Lucky to be grey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the things we will miss is playing with our kids and we'll mm. wish we'd done more of it. I got one that you're like, that might not be relevant. I I got one question I want to ask though. I can see that like kids probably fall away from sport later on because they don't like it and the fun feels like it's sucked out of it a bit. Mm. <laughs> With cuz I really want my kids to play sport cuz I want that. I'm hoping that they really want to play sport cuz I think it's just really good to do out of school teamwork sort of stuff and play is fun and sport I love sport growing up. How do you do it so that they don't think of it as like continue to keep it as play mm. and they're two related or you're like yeah, oh, it's yeah, slightly different. so you know you'd, be, I mean? you'd be led you'd be led by them yeah because i can see like like i was at ballet the other day there was 40 uh six-year-olds and then it looked like there was about sort of you know uh five ten-year-olds and then you know there's a few 16-year-olds and then there's some older ones and they kind of obviously kids fall away and do other things mm. might do other sports but like how do you keep your kid in something not necessarily. No, no. So you'd be led by them, just like the you know the two year old that's wandering around, and you see where they go. You do the same thing. Like gotcha. I was in clinic this week with this gorgeous teenage boy who's like just having a bit of a tough time with stuff, mm. and he's like I think year nine, and he's like just uh, he's like, can I ask a question? And me and mum are like, yeah, sure. And he's like, so I do all this school, and then I have to get home from work from school and do homework, and it's not like long for before bed. Like, how come there's not more time in life for fun? And me and his mum are like, yeah, we hear you. <laughs> and you've got to actually find that stuff. Well, I was just like, yeah. And I kind of went into a bit of a riff that I won't put listeners through. Of like, school is very, school has not changed much since you and I were kids, since our parents were kids. Yep. Like neither of my parents finished school. But like, you know, that was very rigid, structured. You come in here, you learn arithmetic, you do this stuff, you do that stuff. It has a purpose, but the best thing about school, I think, is that it supports social and emotional development through opportunities to engage with peers and adults that care about you and guide you. But so much of it is play as well. As we've often said, a lot of kids really struggle, though, with how much of a contrast and how harsh the exchange is from classroom no play, like I'm being a bit simplistic here, playground Lord of the Rings play. Uh, sorry, Lord of the Flies play. You know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> it's wild. And a lot of kids struggle on that playground. Like, So Evie and I and Annalise were at a brewery yesterday um, that had a little playground. Like they all seem to have realised what their market is. And they're like, let's build a playground. <laughs> These pubs are growing with us, Billy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just feel bad for the people that don't have kids. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm trying to have a good time. But anyway, the... So she was there in this exchange, and I actually haven't spoken to you about this, but I struggled a little bit with it emotionally. And she's like, she's not in, she's kind of not even at parallel play stage yet. Her interactions with other kids are very superficial, almost accidental. They kind of bump into each other. Mm -hmm. And do you know what I mean? She's 18 months, yeah. Yeah. But this little, gorgeous little boy kind of came up to her. And he tried to interact with her and she got really scared and he didn't know how to handle it. So he kind of was almost like standing over her and she was getting more and more scared. And I was like, uh, I don't know what to do here. So I was like just signaling and going, hey, Evie. Like, so she knew I was there and stuff. But then the, like, and then the little boy like didn't know what to do and he felt uncomfortable and you could see he was stressed. So he was kind of not going into a hostile, but he, and they were just, they weren't matched well. Yeah. And it was yeah. great that I was there because I was like, yeah, sweet. And then we just, the little boy had, you know, uh, face painting on and we talked about that and diverted it off from like the bit that they weren't working together well. Yeah. But you learn that through play and yeah. you learn it with like same age kids and, and older kids because then there was a little girl who was like, so the boy was maybe four or five. Yep. And then there was a girl who was seven actually. She was turning seven next week, she told me. And she was amazing with Evie because mm. she had the ability to be like, I won't go as full on with her and I'll just guide her a Gently. bit and I'll show her some objects and all this stuff. 
And it was amazing. I was so impressed with her. Mm. And then Evie relaxed and Evie played because the stress was gone and it was this cool opportunity. So we have to, we just have to give, you know, sometimes dads are, this is one of the things that dads are actually good at. They come home from work and they're like, oh, I just want to play and they'll go and kick the footy. But there's so many, especially mums out there that are like, no, nah, everything else has to happen first. And I'm like, right. yeah. I mean, as a developmental pediatrician, I think that the play is more important than how many vegetables they're having for dinner at night. And right, okay, I yeah. like it. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, I think it is. There's no point in being like, yeah, they eat broccoli five times a week. They got their macros. Yeah, they got their <laughs> macros. They're hitting their macros. If you don't get that opportunity, and it is, it's just like Carl Gross and all these guys would say, it is for survival, and that's why you know Predator is for survival. It's it's a perfect example of like these guys have all invested in that skill set and they've learnt it through pretend play. They've sat in the shooting range. They've army crawled under the logs in the mud like every movie. I'm not even kidding. Nine eighty seven when this came out, I, I would have seen it shortly thereafter on video at home. Like in the late eighties, then I used to pretend to play like Predator. Yeah, like I remember it clearly playing with my neighbour two doors down, pretending to be like Predator. You'd watch it then go outside and be like, you'd build barracks and you'd build all these things and set booby traps and things like that. Loved it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, and it's, it is. There's so much of what you're learning. There are all these skills you're going to carry for the rest of your life. I'm not saying that yeah, <laughs> young kids should be watching Predator, but it was the 80s, <laughs> to borrow a line from Bluey. It was the yeah. 80s. We used to do that sort of and stuff. And you were the youngest, mate. I was youngest the youngest, five, youngest so of five. All those so. rules are gone. <laughs> well, I just used to sneak in and watch and just, yeah. yeah anyway. Your parents were in survival mode. <laughs> five <laughs> kids. Yeah, yeah. It's very impressive. Should we get to our scene? Yes, perfect timing as always. But let's play the scene. Earlier on in the movie, one of the most famous male-to-male exchanges that's ever happened. So people will just be listening to it. You won't get the true gold unless you go to her Instagram no, and see it. you'll have to watch it. This And this scene has been parodied. This scene has been edited and extended. It has been used every which way. But I do love this scene and, um, yeah, let's play it. Dutch. It's been a long time, General. Come on inside. 18 hours ago, we lost a chopper carrying a cabinet minister and his aide from this charming little country. We've got a transponder fix on their position. About here. This cabinet minister, does he always travel on the wrong side of the border? Apparently, they strayed off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan! You son of a bitch. <laughs> What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils? Huh? Had enough? Make it easy on yourself, Dutch. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You never did know when to quit, huh? Damn good to see you, Dutch. What is this fucking Thai business? Oh, come on, forget about my Thai, man. I heard about that little job you pulled off in Berlin. Very nice, Dutch. Good old days. Yeah, like the good old days. Then how come you passed on Libya, huh? Oh, that wasn't my style. You got no style, Dutch. You know that. Come on. Why'd you pass? We are rescue team, not assassins. Now, what do we got to do? That cabinet minister is very important to our scope of operations in this part of the world. Dutch, the general's saying that a couple of our friends are about to get squeezed and we can't let that happen. We need the best. That's why you're here. Go on. Simple setup. One day operation. We pick up their trailer at the chopper, run them down, grab those hostages and bounce back across the border before anybody knows we were there. What do you mean we? I'm going in with you, Dutch. General, my team always works alone. You know that. I'm afraid we all have our orders, Major. Once you reach your objective, Dylan will evaluate the situation and take charge. <sighs> so good. I love that scene. 
it's hard to you you must watch it because there's a there's basically a high five where they don't let go of each other's arms and there's this tight shot of both their bulging biceps and triceps mm. and they're sort of arm wrestling in midair. Yeah. And it's very macho and it is fun play. And I love it. It is. So that. yeah, there's a lot of play in the scene, but the what they're actually doing is they're they're demonstrating everything. So this is one of the phenomenal things about this movie is it just quickly sets everything up. Yeah. You know, all of them get off wearing something different in the chopper. They all get off, like show how big and macho they are. Like one of them's chewing gum and, you know, like uh, tobacco. But what this scene does is it shows us what the rules of the game are mm-hmm. and why Arnie's there. Ah. Because you're the best. Yep. Why didn't you do the one in Libya? Where, Libya. Because we rescue, we don't, we're not assassins. So his self-esteem is poured into this game and he's saying, this is why I'm here. The general starts giving him the rules and the guy who knows him cuts him off. It's like, this guy doesn't care about the detail. He just wants to know someone's getting squeezed. We're going to get in there and get him out. And, you know, and then what we see, which is a cool, real amazing arc through this movie, is the Carl Weathers guys coming. And why do we, we, we've already seen why Arnie doesn't want him there? Because he's pushing too many pencils for the CIA and because he wears a tie. Now, there's another scene where he realizes that Carl Weathers has set him up. And he says, you used to be someone I could trust. What happened? And he says, I grew up. Now, that's the thing. Like, we all grow up. And this is, you know, we all grow up and we stop playing for a lot of it. Now, these guys have kept together this core team because they've kept playing. Now, what the beautiful thing that happens is what we see, what happens in in play with kids is there's an opportunity at reconciliation and redemption. And that's what Carl Weathers does. He goes, I'm going to go get him. I think it's Mac. Yep. You know, and they go off and they, you know, the predator completely tricks them. And he's got a score to settle. He's, yeah, he's got a score to settle and he's got a score to settle because he's grown up too fast and he's lost the importance of these relationships. He's stopped going and playing with these guys and you can see he's dropped out, he's dropped out of this, this like brotherhood that they have together. And yeah, he famously like gets his arm shot off by the predator and picks up the gun with the other arm and keeps shooting it. And it's just this heroic kind of self-sacrifice, redemptive moment that that happens where you kind of see that he's gone back into that in his final moments. He's realised the team is more important than himself and pushing the pencils and wearing the tie. And it's this beautiful thing, I think, that is opportunities in childhood for our kids, especially going through primary school and high school, and especially if they're struggling is find play as an opportunity to build relationships. I was speaking with a mum the other day who's like really worried about the relationship of her teenage son and her dad. And she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, and I'm, the play is the answer. Really? Find something that hooks both of them. Find something that they can both do to enjoy together. And don't just think of it as like pick an activity, like actually pick some play. Yeah, it has to be something the dad likes almost more than something the teenager likes because if the dad's not Not engaged. Yeah. And so that's where so much of it. And play is this beautiful thing. Like play, yeah, we, we don't have kids to, you know, argue with them over eating vegetables or do homework with them. We yell at them to get up in the morning for school. We do it to enjoy their company. Now, the reason that is is because it builds their capacity. It builds their self-esteem. It builds their skills. What we learn, it's even like even in animals, excitement builds play and excitement builds learning. We see that like animals before they go and hunt or feed, you know, or know something good is coming, they play. And we do too. You know, you and I know we're going to the pub We get really excited and we're playful and a bit silly and, you know, push each other in the bushes, that classic thing. That's because we're open and we're receptive and it's that and that builds this really positive pathway in our brain, just like we talked about the opposite happened for William Wallace. Whereas, you know, Arnie is amazing because he's just like, you know, he hears it, I'm going to rescue these guys. And, you know, but that's the beautiful thing that we see that he does in the movie is he can switch and he goes, sweet, I'm prey. Animals that are predators will play at pouncing and sneaking up. Animals that are prey will play at dodging, dodging and, and moving things yep. like the deer and all that stuff. That's what they practice at. And our kids will never be in this environment. They will be in environments where they have to share, they have to pivot, they have to 
change who's in charge. They need to follow the rules sometimes, not followed at other times. And you learn that by practicing it and playing it. You don't learn it by kind of sitting in a classroom. You learn mm. it by what happens in the playground and outside mm. of it. And structured play can be helpful too. I'm not knocking kind of the basketball stuff. There are amazing opportunities for relationships to build. But unstructured pretend play is phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. So what we yeah we we've <laughs> done a fair bit on kind of like the theory and why we care about this stuff. Yeah, there's lots of different ways we can go in the future. We can talk about kids who are neurodiverse and where they struggle with play. We can talk about the restorative components of play therapy. You know, we can talk more about how you set up environments so that kids will have opportunities to play. How we participate in it in a meaningful way. Like we haven't done much for once in this episode. Going back to where kids are at is really important as yeah. well. So the kid that's Just struggling with about more that. complex play, yep. you actually possibly need to go back and be like, yeah, this simple play stuff. Yeah, start from scratch to build the skills. Yeah, but the, the things that you know you will love about your girls mm. is probably built around play. Yeah. If you think back and go, what have been the best times in the last week? I bet it was when you were playing with them. 100% goofing. Yeah, but it's it's not just – it shouldn't be something that if I get time for it, it should be something that's prioritised almost over everything else. Easy to say because everyone's got to put oh, food on the table and everyone's yeah. got to go to work and all that stuff. And I've had hardly any time with Evie. I get hardly any time with her. I get more than Annalise. But I, if one of the few things I'm good at as a parent, I really struggle to convert most of this theory into actual actions. Mate, I've talked about some massive wins lows and weaved in how good a week I've had in a couple of things, but – Seriously, I reckon five times as many times than the wins. I've absolutely denied play. So, like, no, I don't. Like, my oldest comes and goes, "Can we do, can we play tickle, you know, tickle torture or whatever?" Where it's basically me just tickling her, and I'm like, "No, I'm too busy." So it's fine, but you just got to have times where I'll you go, yeah, "Yeah, cool." But it's it doesn't matter if it's, it's one in ten. Plus, can we scooter up there? Now we've got to drive. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, yeah, I'm robbing it. But you're robbing okay. yourself, but you also give them, you just have to find time to give them opportunities because yeah. that's going to wire their brain and that's going to learn skills that will help them survive. Not if the but predator also, comes. But yeah, you have given, and maybe I should have known this, but I didn't, like you've given a reason to play. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I look at it and go, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. Like we'll have fun. But I don't link the two with like developing a kid that can then adapt socially can deal with setbacks, can deal with being chased or being the chaser, like understanding and pivoting. Do you know what I mean? Because if you don't link that, like you explain, like, oh, yeah, I'm nodding, going, yeah, I I understand it, but I don't link it in that moment where I'm too tired or I can't be bothered or I've time poor. Um, So, yeah, that's good. Well, think of the Alaskan brown bear. They are more likely to survive into adulthood. The biggest predictor is how much they play. Yes. So be the Alaskan, be the Alaskan oh. brown bear mother. I will. They didn't go encourage this play. I just, I don't know, for some reason I went to mother. <laughs> Could have said father. <laughs> you didn't. Yes, I'm sure there are some species where the male encourages play. But it is, it's really, it's a really good, pe- we'll do a little bit more on this next time maybe, yeah. just about why, why play. Yes, and to make that happen, Billy, we need lots of questions. Yeah. So we love questions. Part two is made up of questions. So if you want to know about play, how kids can, maybe some of the gaps, I think you covered it off before. I'm not going to reiterate what you said. Um, you got to send them through. So popcultureparenting at gmail.com. Send your questions there. If you've got a long question, we love long questions. Yeah. We love a lot of context, a lot of detail. Otherwise, slide into the DMs on Instagram, write us a short one or respond to the polls with questions. Uh, we love it, guys, because our part two, part two's, I love part one, I love part two when people ask those questions that we're like, did not think it was going down this path and it's perfect. So, And we also want people to send start sending in Griswolds and Winslows for our bonus Christmas app, which is only four episodes four away. Four episodes away. 50 eps in a year, Billy. Mm. Wow. 27 topics. Yes. 28. Yep. Wow. So, yeah, but we're going to, that's what we're going to do for Christmas is um, unwrap some uh, Griswolds and Winslows. <laughs> we're going to unwrap some, we're going to unwrap your Griswolds and Winslows. That'll be fun. A little bonus ep. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Billy, thank you so much for doing all the work so we can understand it. Brilliant. Well done. And uh, we're going to see you next week. Thanks, Nick.
mother smell that beer on your breath, she'll take it out on me. Daddy, and what does it do? Trust use your best judgment. <laughs>